Welcome to episode 62 of the Gambots Podcast. I'm your host, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this week's episode, Christian and I watched the 2011 movie Sucker Punch. We watched the recently released The Gentleman. We talked about Birds of Prey last week. I saw it, and I want to touch on uh, a program that DC has called DC Universe. And then finally, we'll end with our Amazon review game coming back in 2020. But first... Christian, this week we watched Sucker Punch, which was directed by Zack Snyder. I think Zack Snyder is probably most known now for doing like his biggest movies, 300, and then uh, Suicide Squad, Batman vs. Superman, Don Justice, Man of Steel, Justice League. Uh, you know, he's been in the DC universe for a while. So when we actually picked this one, I completely thought Sucker Punch was based off of a comic book movie. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just completely crazy. Yeah, I looked it up and was blown away that this was not a comic book movie because a lot of the shortcomings I had with the film, I was like, oh, it makes sense. It's a comic book, but it was not. <laughs> Zack Snyder also wrote this. Yeah, yeah, this was an original, and it uh, it goes in so many different directions all at the same time. Yes. Uh, would you like to give a synopsis of what the story of on this is? What if I could? Right? It jumps around <laughs> a lot. Uh, so, yeah. So, Emily Browning is the main character. Her name in the movie is Baby Doll. I don't think we ever actually find out her real name. Um, she is committed to a mental institution by her stepfather so that he can collect her mother's inheritance and cover up her sister's murder, I guess. And she then, as a coping mechanism, imagines the asylum to be a brothel. And so, like, her and her fellow patients are girls in this imagined whorehouse. And then she then further copes with that terrible reality by imagining that they're warriors on these different missions. It's bananas. It is, and right from the get-go, you can tell this is a Zack Snyder film because of just how grim, dark it is, even in the opening scenes. Lots of slow motion. It's in this old Victorian house where someone had died. It's raining out, and a rendition of Sweet Dreams is playing in the background, and they play the whole song. Like, it's three (laughs) minutes of it. And lots of rape vibes coming from her stepdad. Oh, yeah, he is um, just dreadful. Yeah, yes. Uh, and that's... So when I initially watched this, I, I think I followed the movie for it. And on retro, like retrospectively thinking about it, I don't know if I hate it as much. But this movie definitely had a lot of rape vibes from it. But I actually think on the rewatch, like we find out that in like this girl when she's in the brothel and stuff, she actually was the victim of at least sexual assault, probably rape as well. So I think those actually make more sense as to how that coping mechanism fit in. Yeah. So I'm going to be honest. This is the second time I watched this. I watched it when it first came out in 2011, when it was in the theater. And I did not put together that the, like the, the whole brothel scenario was imagined. Oh, really? I, I really? genuinely thought that Oscar Isaac, who I would never have remembered was the bad guy in this movie in a million years. Um, like never, but I, I really thought he was running a brothel and using like the asylum patients as the girls in it. Like I thought yeah. that was, I mean, I they, thought that they... was all real. Well, that's the thing is they do jump quickly because you see him. He says, all right, she's going to get lobotomized in a week. Then we see the lobotomy happen. And then we jump to the brothel. And at that point, I was a little bit confused. So I was I was thinking like, oh, is this like her trying to justify it? And then I completely forgot about the lobotomy scene until the end. And so I, I could see how that's like confusing. Yeah. So they do a good job towards the end of showing like her coming out of that fantasy but they don't do a very good job at the beginning of showing her going into it and so like like you said no. it's, it's a quick transition and so it seemed to me like he was like all right yeah you're 
Like you're in the you're in the asylum now and then it just looked like he took her and like gave her an outfit and pushed her through a door and it was like but this is what we're really doing here. I I had not realized that that was all like psychological construct. Yeah. And the one thing like I I don't love this movie, but I felt like <laughs> they, it had potential. The thing, like, I love when movies or really entertainment media, like, detail coping mechanisms in different ways. So I think Psychonauts, the video game from uh, Double Fine Studios, is one of the best representations of how, like, a mind can deal with physical or deal with mental trauma because you go into people's heads and then each level relates to whatever trauma they're going through. So. I like the idea that this was a story within a story within a story with the coping mechanisms. I don't think they explained some of the things well, and I don't think they executed it well, which is unfortunate because I think this could have actually turned out to be a very good movie. So I do kind of love this movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. I t- <laughs> and I, I definitely agree that certain things were not executed well, but I think, I don't know. I think this failed to be what it wanted to be, but it was something else instead, and that was fine. Right. I mean, so visually this is, I think it would have been very stunning in 2011. I don't think some of the CG holds up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would agree with that. <laughs> but 2011 standards, this is pretty good. I Some of the CG scenes, though, like, I get that. So here's my biggest complaint with the with her, like, imagining them going through the scenarios. And for our listeners, there's essentially four scenarios they go through. One, she is in Japan fighting, like, samurai. The next one, there are World War One trenches. Third one, they're fighting dra- uh, orcs and a dragon. And the fourth one, they're on a train with a bomb. I don't know why they correlated those fantasies to her dancing like the premises in her in the middle fantasy at the at the brothel that she dances so well it literally enthralls and hypnotizes the watchers so people can rob them which doesn't make sense to me like why equate that to all these fight scenes like why not incorporate the fantasies of the fight scenes into like some way that they're actually getting the objects instead of just making it like she dances and then we have these random scenarios yeah i mean they tried a little bit like each time they went into one of the fantasies they had the goal of getting the item that they needed so it was like oh you've got to intercept this guy who's taking a map to the kaiser like okay well then like in real life they were getting the map right and, yeah I, i'm not, and i'm saying real life in air quotes because we're now dealing with a, a third nested fantasy but um, but it, and then in the real world, she actually did acquire the map. So it's like, yeah. it's yeah, it, it's a little bit confusing. And I will say, I, I really was like, kind of like not loving this movie till the end when they like revealed the real world. And I was like, okay, I like it better now that we're seeing the like the real world, and then you're seeing the nested fantasies. I like that better. And there, I will say that there is some stuff that doesn't translate between those realities too, because like, like you said in. The, the whole thing is, like, she's dancing, and while everyone's distracted, the other team members are robbing them. But what's happening in, like, the real, real world? Because that's happening in the brothel fantasy. Right. That's what I wanted to know, is what was she doing in the real world that distracted people? Because she seemed to only have one other conspirator with her, which is the girl who escaped. Yeah. I don't think the other characters exist. That, like Vanessa Hudgens' character, I don't think she's real. Man, yeah, Vanessa Hudgens and Jamie Chung's character, I had real questions as to whether they existed at all because you only ever see them in the fantasies. They never appear in the asylum scenarios. Right, and I, I'm trying to think back to the very first showing of the asylum. You saw a couple girls fighting. I assume one of those was, I think it was Sweepy, the girl who escaped. I don't, I don't recall seeing the other characters. It was, yeah. I don't I don't remember seeing them either. And and I mean in the fantasy he just straight up shoots them. Right. And, and I can't And he shoots he shoots the head of the institute too who's clearly not dead. Yeah. And like I can't imagine him being able to just 
murder two inmates without any real discussion. Repercussions? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, because right, she stabbed someone, and that's like that seems to be a very big deal. Yeah. And that, and she doesn't even stab the person she imagined. She stabbed the cook, which leads me to wonder, did she stab the cook imagining it was um, the main bad guy, or did she stab the cook on cooking duty like when she showed that the cook was going to rape one of the other girls who oh, may or may not have been real oh no she stabbed oscar isaac for sure because when they show him uh in the like in oh. the real real world he's all bandaged up and he's like bleeding through his shirt that's right it's i'm getting confused because in the scene when they're going in the real world they zoom in on the cook but he's like feeling for his empty knife he's yeah. not stabbed that's right okay so she does stab him she just doesn't kill him yeah, and so, like, that's something that definitely for sure happens. But, yeah, they never mention. And Carla Gugino's character is going through, like, oh, in the week she's been here, she uh, helped a, a person escape, and she stabbed an orderly, and she did all, she set a fire. But at no point was she like, oh, yeah, and these two other girls were shot. Right. right. These other people are just, we have three dead bodies. Yeah. Uh, so what did you think about the actual, the fantasy within the fantasy, the, the heavy CGI stuff? Oh, they were fantastic. So you like those? Oh man, I was, I'm all in. Like, I'm a huge fan of the, uh, katana and pistol combo in basically anything Mm -hmm. it appears in. Like, I'm always a huge fan of that combo. And then, uh... Abby Cornish, it's a classic combo. Abby Cornish's character had a machine gun comboed with like a claymore sword. That was also very fun. But yeah, these these like action sequences, top notch. I like it didn't matter to me at all that they were ridiculous, and these four girls were super OP and just like taking out armies by themselves. Like I was having a blast. So. <laughs> I mean, I have, I have some problems with these, and we'll get into it a little bit. But my, my biggest gripe is, so, you know, she has a samurai sword and the pistol. And it makes sense for the first dream she has where she's in ancient Japan. The next scene, they're fighting in World War One trenches against steampunk guards. Everyone else has machine guns but her. And I'm, just, I'm like, okay, she should have a machine gun, but that's her thing. And then we go to the orc battle. She goes into this medieval style battle with a machine gun, <laughs> never fires it, and then just leaves it. Like, why give it to her? Like, why confuse those two realities? Yeah, pretty weird. Like, I for- uh, also they. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot yeah. how crazy this movie was. Like, I remember enjoying it when I watched it back in 2011, and I remember not many people agreeing with me. <laughs> um, but like. White Rabbit plays loudly over a scene of these girls basically single-handedly winning World War One by using a mech with a bunny painted on the front of it to kill steampunk zombies. Like, where else are you going to get something like that? I mean, it, that was essentially the prototype for D.Va in Overwatch. <laughs> like, this movie has everything. It's, it's a little bit Game of Thrones. It's a little bit Lord of the Rings. It's a little bit... Uh, like Wonder Woman, it's a little bit just anything and everything you can imagine. It was like, hey, how many genres can we cram into this movie? Let's do it. I mean, it was very. I felt very much like a video game to me. Like they had clear delineated levels with just random enemy spawns. Yeah, a hundred percent. Also, are are you with me? They were clearly the bad guys in the orc dream. They straight up murdered the dragon's oh child. That was sad. like the dragon was justified. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm I'm with you on that one. Like that was I I was not on board for murdering dragon baby. So I think my I mean I, I jokingly my biggest problem was about the machine gun, but I don't know how I feel about Zack Snyder, how he wrote the character as being like this schoolgirl. It seemed like either a neckbeard wrote this or like a total weeb because in that one shot, there are like tons of panty shots of her jumping around and like, I, it's whatever, you know, it's, it's a design choice. I can't hate on it, but it, it just felt like, uh, I don't know. It could have been done better if you're going for the female empowerment angle. And I don't want to like shame if a female feels empowered by that, like all to her, you know, power to her. But this was like a guy writing it. 
of what I feel like Snyder imagines female empowerment is. And so it's, I don't, I don't it's know. Very, I was a little bit torn on it. It's very male gazy. I did see somebody on uh, Rotten Tomatoes describe it as exploitation disguised as empowerment, which seemed pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I would say that too. But it, when I was looking through criticisms of this, I noticed too, like a lot of the critics of it were men. So it's one of those things where it's like it's hard to say because it's not like my place to say what's empowering to a female or not. But it just seemed like maybe it wasn't the best choice. Yeah. Uh, for that, but I did not hate the idea behind it. I just. I don't know, like, in 2010, 2009, when he was writing it, I was trying to think, like, what was big then, because obviously it's heavily Japanese-inspired, so I was thinking maybe Kill Bill, I was thinking maybe High School of the Dead, which is notorious for having high school girls with guns and swords, so I don't know where he was getting his inspiration from, it just, it it seemed a little bit off to me, like, I I wish he had done it better and I would have been more behind it, because, like I said earlier, I really like the idea of, like, the coping mechanism and stuff i just don't like how they executed it well i i have another question for you which is each of these scenarios is essentially just a very long music video how how did you feel about the music choices uh so when we talked about philosopher i was like i love the music they picked (laughs) this soundtrack felt very 2011 and i know later on they switched it up but at least through the first half, I had no idea who the bands were. But if you told me it was Paramore and Evanescence in every song, I would believe you. <laughs> I love the music in this. <laughs> like, not what did you like? Yeah, about I mean, it? I'm kind of with you. Not so much those beginnings where it was just like gloomy and and you know and appropriately gloomy because you know her life is terrible, but. Uh, like when they got into the actual fantasies and like white rabbit was playing and uh tomorrow never knows was on during the train uh heist situation like man i was really grooving like the the mayor walks in and they're playing a mashup of i want it all and uh we will rock you by queen <laughs> and it was awesome <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this movie, aesthetically, and I think, even though like I was kind of making fun of the music, I think it fits the moods they're going for, so I think those things are done well. I just, it, the music was not for yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, this this movie definitely has a very specific aesthetic, and it's crazy. Like Zach, for it, It's a very Zack Snyder yeah, aesthetic. Yeah, for all of the different like genre changes and like video game levels that this goes through, it definitely has a very distinct unifying like cinematography and I, I I'm into it. Uh, do you think Zack Snyder heard people complain about the scene in Watchmen where hallelujah played? Wow. Um, the silk specter and whatever the owl's name were, were having sex. And he's like, you know what? I got to tweak it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? I could expand that scene into a whole movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Oh man. Have you watched any of the Daredevil or Defenders on Netflix? I've not. That's on my long list of things I need to get to. Okay, because the old wise man that they get all their missions from and everything in this plays Stick, who is like Daredevil's teacher. And so I I mean obviously I watched this long before I watched Daredevil and when when I watched it again uh this weekend I was like, "Oh man, it's Stick." <laughs> I don't know why I was, I had this weird, maybe it's just like, you know, old white guy in a, like a ninja movie. I thought it was David Carradine from Kill Bill. I thought it was him at first too. And I had to look it up. Yeah. And and then when I realized who it was, I was still pretty excited. Uh, but he started every mission by giving them like a briefing, but each briefing ended with like a weird little proverb. And that just, it confused me. Like, it seemed to come out of nowhere. Like, and then he would say, oh, one last thing, and it would be the only really important thing that they needed to know. But, but yeah, yeah. B- but before that, it was always like, uh, for for those who fight for it, life has a, a flavor that other people don't know. And I'm like, why is he saying just these strange platitudes? Yeah. And then he was the bus driver at the end. 
So was this yeah. was this all magic? <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Like who, that's who one knows. of those scenes where okay, that's not a coincidence. Like it's did, And he helps the girl too. Like yeah. he's clearly looking out for her. Yeah, it would be one thing if like baby doll had arrived on the bus and so like it was just a familiar face that she knew but it's very clear at the beginning that she's driven there by her evil stepdad yeah she would have had no chance to have seen that old man like that's that was one of those things that just takes you out of it at the end yeah and speaking of like just the last parts of the movie number one the asylum they took her to i got arkham asylum vibes from it for sure (laughs) and it seems like this guy has been lobotomizing patients for a while, and the doctor finally showed him. Was like, I didn't agree with it. I don't know why they're doing it. And the guy's like, "You signed," and she's like, "What?" <laughs> like, did she think other people were signing off on? Does no one check with the doctor and be like, "You're sure we're going to lobotomize this person?" Seems pretty drastic. <laughs> yeah, and like right at the beginning, he's like, "Oh yeah, I'll just forge your signature. I've done it a, done it a dozen times." He's like, "I'm making so much money from you," and it's like two thousand dollars. <laughs> Well, I have I have no idea when this movie is set. It has to be set at a time when steampunk wasn't. I guess steampunk's old. I, yeah, right. Like I don't know. I like, mean, like when, I would have. Yeah, when were lobotomies like commonplace? Fifties. Well, when was one flew over the cuckoo's nest? Written like the fifties, sixties. Yeah, I don't. Because there's very little. There's. But she, she has, she definitely has like a modern handgun, if I'm remembering right, in the beginning of the movie that she accidentally shoots her sister with. It sure looked like it, yeah. Now, now Google says lobotomies were developed in the 30s. Right, but they were in play for a while. I just, uh, yeah, I have no idea when this was set. The asylum gives me very like 40s, 50s, like we don't know what to do with these people, so we're just gonna lock them up, kind of vibes. Yeah. Yep. I, I'm not. My guess is it's probably around then. I, I'm not too sure, but like they're using old radios and stuff. So about <laughs> futuristic trains. <laughs> about halfway through, I realized that Sweet Pea uh, was Abby Cornish, who I only know her from the incredible movie that came out a year or so ago, Geostorm. Don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, if you've never seen Geostorm, that's a shame. It's a terrible movie uh, with Gerard Butler. <laughs> um, anything else on this before we do critic and budget? Uh, I just I have one question for you. All right. Why is this movie called Sucker Punch? I saw your notes and I have no idea. Yeah, me either. <laughs> I thought for sure at some point it was going to become evident, and it never did. No one even gets sucker punched in it. Nope, they don't say it. They don't make any reference. It's just that's what it's called like that's another thing i could see being like if this was a comic book adaptation it's something they like dropped out or whatever yeah. that had it make sense but right nope. yeah um so do you know how this fared with the critics not well uh yeah. the rotten tomatoes has this at 22 percent audience at 47 percent i'm not surprised the critic score is that low i am surprised the audience score is that low i'm with you i well i actually think the audience score is pretty fair i'd put myself right around there but i i'm not surprised the critics are so low on it it doesn't seem like a critic movie oh no 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 yeah i fully expected this to have a terrible critic score on rotten tomatoes but i i thought the audience would be somewhere in like the 60s i really thought there was going to be people more like me who who were like yeah this movie's crazy but it's very fun to watch yeah at least uh, the so budget sequences. sorry yeah, the fight scene, I, th- I feel like it was well choreographed. I think the visuals kind of hold it back, though, honestly. They're a bit dated at this point. Um, Budget-wise, this was it cost $82 million to create, and the box office worldwide was $90 million. I also looked up, apparently it sold very well on DVD for the first four weeks. It was number one and sold over a million copies. Oh, wow. That is surprising. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess 2011 DVDs are still big. Streaming hadn't really taken over yeah. yet. Zack Snyder just bought him all himself. Yeah, he probably did. <laughs> all the money they paid him for it, just build his house out of Sucker Punch DVDs. Oh, man. Well, I mean, it just broke even, even like worldwide. That's that's rough. 
I, re- I actually remember when this was having previews and stuff because I was like, oh, I want to go see this. It looks cool. I thought it was a comic book movie. And that was back when I was in college and I didn't go to the movies nearly as much as I do now. So I just never got around to it. So this is one that's been kind of on the back burner for me to watch for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we late-nighted this. So we watched it after hours some night. And I remember all of us being like, what in the world? <laughs> As soon as that first fantasy sequence started and, and she was in Japan fighting those giant samurai samurai robots, maybe? Who knows? Yeah, no idea. Samurai <laughs> golems, maybe? <laughs> Very unclear. Wild. past couple weeks christian and i both watched the recently released the gentleman now this is by guy Ritchie and christian i didn't know this movie was coming out till two to three weeks before it came out and when i saw the preview for it i was immediately pumped and i saw this opening weekend i love this movie uh what did you think of it yeah it took me a while to get around to it but i finally did and i'm absolutely thrilled that i i managed to get a chance to see this before it left theaters so why I was excited about it was Guy Ritchie is the same guy who did Snatch. And I didn't see Snatch came out, I think, in 2000, 2001. Uh, Star Spread Pit as a gypsy has like early Jason Statham in it, not as like a badass or anything like that. So it's just like a weird old-ish movie with people I know in it. And I loved it. Like, it was a hidden gem find for me. It was not... Like, I had heard about it for years. I did not know what it was about. I thought it was, like, a romantic comedy. (laughs) And I was so wrong. And so when I heard this was coming out, I was pumped because I was so excited for it. I think this is going to be a hidden gem. Yeah. Now, I know Guy Ritchie mostly from the Sherlock Holmes movies and the the newer uh, King Arthur with Jude Law and Charlie Hunnam, who is also in Gentleman. And I really like Guy Ritchie him. mostly does uh, was it legendary films yeah. the the production company like he does all of those yeah and I'm a big fan of, of those movies and so I'm, I'm not yeah. surprised I like this one as much as I did uh, I realized while we were writing notes for this I cannot spell Matthew McConaughey's last name <laughs> it's tricky yeah I didn't even it's it's it is thoroughly debauched <laughs> what I'm trying to try, trying to write it so the premise of this movie is it's like a story within a story where a reporter is trying to blackmail a crime syndicate run by Matthew McConaughey. They're like the biggest weed dealer in London or maybe all of England. I'm not entirely sure how far they go. Um, but then it's also he's fighting a turf war with uh, one of the Asian gangs and his, the main antagonist of that is Henry Golding, who's playing a very interesting role in this one. And so you're getting like all this backstory from a somewhat unreliable narrator because the narrator gets more drunk as the night goes on <laughs> and takes more liberty with his stories. And it's awesome when they pan back out and they're like, wait a minute, that's wrong. And, you know, and you see the rewind and stuff. Uh, so you're kind of guessing what's going to happen the whole way through because you're not entirely sure where it's going uh, from the beginning. You have just have a general idea. You don't know what the end point is, though. Yeah, I do really like unreliable narrator stories. Um, I also like non-linear storytelling when it's done well, and it is very well done in this movie. Yes, it's written so... This is written... uh, This movie's written very well. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's kind of like a story within a story where uh, Hugh Grant's character is trying to tell his perspective of everything that he saw, and then at a certain point, Charlie Hunnam's like, all right, man. Well, that was a fun story. You got the broad strokes, but let me tell you what actually is happening and all of the things that you think is happening. And they go back and like revise everything. And I, it, that was the point where I was like, Ooh, no, this movie's great. <laughs> like it, yeah. I, was, I was on board for most of the way already. And as soon as they did that and they did like a little bit of the historical revision, it, it was, it, it jumped to like another level for me. But in, even after that, they have the additional twist when he's like, at, I don't want to spoil it at the very end where you're like, oh, like, yeah, like I thought that was just a strand they ignored. But no, it wasn't like <laughs> oh. so good. I thought McConaughey was OK in this. I don't generally like him. So I was surprised. I I thought he was fine in this. I just didn't like how he kept referring himself as the king of the jungle, because that's how I imagine he is in real life. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Yeah, I can definitely see that. 
Uh, but the two standout characters in this for me was Charlie Hunnam as McConaughey's number two. I thought he was very good, but Colin Farrell crushed his role as like the boxing coach yes. who gets pulled in because of his students. I, I thought he was fantastic in this movie. Just the dude being like in over his head trying to make the best of it. And Yeah, he was easily my favorite character in this as well. I like Charlie Hunnam in I think everything I've seen him in. I never watched Sons of Anarchy, which... Uh, I'm deciding maybe a shame. I'm, I may have to go revisit that at some point. Um, Dude, it's I could not get into it, but a lot of people like it. Yeah, but like, he's great in this. He's great in Pacific Rim, which is one of my favorite movies. He's great in that King Arthur movie that he was in with Guy Ritchie. I just I'm a big fan of Charlie Hunnam's. And it was funny too, like seeing Henry Golding in this because I only know him from Crazy Rich Asians <laughs> and uh, Last Christmas, which, <laughs> which are both romantic comedies. Yeah, I mean, I guess for he both of us. He plays a very different role in this one. I guess for both of us, Last Christmas would have been the last thing that we saw Henry Golding in. And yeah, that's a dramatic right. jump. <laughs> very, very different character. To like straight up murderer and attempted rapist. Yeah, and also just completely insane. Oh, man. Uh, I, so I don't want to get too into a couple of my points here, but I will talk to you after because I don't want to ruin this movie for anyone because it's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do like that there's a bunch of different threads where it's like a lot of people are gunning for McConaughey and you're kind of like trying to figure out who's doing what and who's playing what angle. I did really enjoy that. Yeah, because this is another movie which I've talked before about. I I enjoy the mechanic of like start in the middle or start like towards the end. And so like the opening shot of this movie takes place probably like 75 to 80 percent of the way through the story. And then they jump Mm -hmm. back, which is, again, something I really like. I I like nonlinear storytelling in general, but that's just such a good mechanic when it's used well because then you spend the entire movie trying to figure out like who's the gunman yeah yeah another thing i thought the writers did really well was using violence as humor yeah so like you have the boxers come in and they make these ridiculous videos and they beat up these guys and then the guys are telling their boss and they're like oh you know we got we got we got beat up but their coach must be quite a good guy because they're they're good chaps at boxing like it's such a random thing or like when they catch the one guy and he runs and falls off a bridge and gets hit by a train <laughs> and then like the next scene is mcconaughey being like that seems to be a recurring problem for you like they reuse a lot of that stuff so well like i i like that's why part of the reason it's so funny oh yeah just the sequence of them chasing down those kids trying to get the cell phones absolutely fantastic <laughs> right <laughs> oh man so uh, anything else that we didn't touch on that you would like to i don't think so like you said there's not much that we can really get into without giving plot points away and this is absolutely a movie where you should not watch it like knowing what's coming so critically this is sitting at 73 percent on rotten tomatoes and 84 percent with the audience i'm definitely more on the audience side granted it's only february and i've only seen a few movies in theater this year but this is by far my favorite movie of the year so far yeah, you know, I might be with you. I'd like, I'd, I'd have to go back and look at what all came out in January because I have a terrible memory for that kind of stuff. But uh, this is this is definitely top tier for me too. Uh, do you know how it did with budget and box office? Yeah, so budget was twenty two million, box office so far is uh, sixty five and a half million. It's so it's it's doing pretty well, which is surprising to me because at least in our theater it didn't have a huge release, but. I mean the the twenty two million budget isn't huge, so I guess it it wasn't that hard to to recoup that. Yeah, I'm actually surprised they have such a small budget on this one, but I guess it makes sense they didn't have a lot of CG or anything. But I, I'm still a little bit surprised at at it being so low. Yeah. Um, would you recommend our? Ah, we forgot to do that for Sucker Punch. Um, oh well. <laughs> uh, would you recommend our audience check this one out? Oh yeah, absolutely. Same. I like I said, this is my favorite movie of the year so far. So uh, if you if you liked Snatch, definitely check this out. It's yeah. a I don't think it's as good, but it's a great follow up. And I think this is good for just about anybody. Like that, they do use violence as humor, like you said, but there isn't a whole lot of overt violence in this movie. And so mm-hmm. I, I I think it's good even for like a, a wider crowd than some other kind of like gangstery movies would be. Like both my parents like this movie, and they have such dramatically different tastes. That's rare. This seems like 
violent humor like with british sensibilities <laughs> like it's different than american <laughs> violence right like yes i think it's more subtle and i don't know i just i, just, I think they do a good job i definitely it. know what you mean <laughs> i can't explain it but i feel like if you see it you'll get it like <laughs> All right, so last week, Christian talked about seeing Birds of Prey. I actually went and saw it this week, and I want to say I, I did enjoy it. Um, probably, it's definitely better than Suicide Squad. Oh. Uh, I don't want to get into it too much just because we talked so much about last week. I will say I would recommend checking it out. And I enjoyed it so much, it actually made me look up uh, stuff about DC Comics. So on the podcast before, we had talked about Marvel Unlimited, which is Marvel's unlimited comic app, where anything within the past six months is all of Marvel, almost all of Marvel's comics. So you can get them on an app, you can read them on an iPad or the computer or whatever. It's a great deal. It's awesome. And for a really long time, I was like, DC should make something like this, but they never did. And so I, I haven't looked for a while. And I looked last night. It seems like it came out last year or in 2018. Uh, DC finally started putting comics up. So I was like, oh, I'll give this a try. It's a, f- a week free trial. So I signed up for that. And it turns out you don't only just get comics. They actually have all of their animated and live action series as, as well on it, which is pretty cool. Nice. So in the week that I have it, I have watched a few movies. <laughs> um, I watched Batman and Harley Quinn, Under the Red Hood, Justice League Dark, Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, Flashpoint Paradox, and the first episode of the Harley Quinn, like the Emancipated Harley Quinn cartoon. It's not based on the movie, but it's a similar premise where she leaves the Joker and she's with Poison Ivy. And if you don't mind, I just want to run down a couple of these. A couple of these are insane. Yeah, man, go for it. So the worst one by far was Batman and Harley Quinn. This is a continuation of the 90s Batman the Animated Series. Hmm. Uh, Same art style. They got a lot of the voice actors back, and it is a complete insult to that series. (laughs) Oh, no. They have an an extensive, like, Harley Quinn farting scene. Her and Nightwing have sex. There's a song and dance scene with Batman and Nightwing visiting a side, like bat side, like a, what are they called? A minion bar. Oh my goodness. Fighting. And they don't even really have an ending. Like something happens. And then she's like, we could use fire. And then it cuts to black. It was, it was (laughs) mind bogging, bogglingly bad. Mind bogging, boggling. I cannot say that word. Let's cut that. (laughs) It was very bad. <laughs> That's too bad. Uh, yeah. Ew. And so uh, Under the Red Hood, actually very good. It's probably the best of the animated ones that I've seen. Um, the idea is that one of the previous Robins had been killed and he comes back to life as the Red Hood. And it's Batman kind of reconciling, letting that Robin die. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, it's it's very good. I, I won't get too much into it. Justice League Dark, also very good. Batman encounters a supernatural problem. So John Constantine's in it, Swamp Thing's in it, also an actually very good one. Nice. Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, is a mixed bag. It's a take on the Suicide Squad. Uh, Amanda Waller, if you watch the series, is kind of a bad guy who works for the government, has six months to live, so she wants them to get a card that basically is a get-out-of-hell-free card. Uh, It's fine. Um, Some parts were good, some parts were bad. And then Flashpoint Paradox, which is Flash goes back in time to save his mom, and it's an alternate timeline story. It's mostly good, especially if you like alternate timeline stuff. You get to see what happens where had Bruce Wayne been shot, and then Thomas Wayne becomes like a murderous Batman. So, and like everything's different. It's a a good one, too. It's worth checking out. Cool. Uh, The weirdest one, though is the harley quinn cartoon it is like overly violent and vulgar and i only watched the first episode so maybe it gets better but it was like so intense that it kind of reminded me of happy tree friends which i was not expecting for dc (laughs) oh man of all things right like that so I was like, I don't know if I like this. Like, you know, I feel like violence has its place to be funny and stuff, but it just seemed violent to be like 
to make a point. And I get why they would make Harley Quinn violent. She's a sociopath. Joker's a sociopath. Or, I guess, psychopath, technically. So, I, I get it. I just don't think those parts worked as well. But when they, like, went into her relationship with the Joker and her friendship with Poison Ivy and then... Just, like, they're pointing out the absurdity of the Batman universe of, like, no one being able to find villain lairs and all that stuff. That stuff was actually really funny. So if they if they double down on that in the later episodes, I think it could be worth watching. But I was... That's, like, a continuation of one of the biggest things I was surprised about was the DC animated is not afraid to be uh, violent and kill characters. Yeah. I will say, just on uh, on this topic briefly... I was expecting there to be some kind of like mid credits or post credits scene in Birds of Prey where they were going to tease Poison Ivy. Yeah, I was I was expecting something, not just like uh, you stayed here till the end, haha, losers. Yeah. <laughs> Don't stay till the end if you're watching it. Not worth it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so the other cool things on it, the comic offerings are not as extensive of, as Marvel Unlimited. It seems like it's mostly the newer stuff, like the new Fifty Twos. I mostly got it because I've been wanting to read the Constantine stuff and Hellraiser from the 80s and read through. They only have stuff from the 2000s, so I was a little bit disappointed. They have a ton of the good anime stuff. Like, they have the Teen Titans from the 2000s, and they have the 90s Batmans, both of which were great. They have some live-action series I have not watched, but remember the whole Teen Titans controversy because they hired a, a black girl to play Starfire? Yes. That's on that's on here, and I've heard nothing about it, so I don't know if it's good or not <laughs> after all that controversy. And they also have Young Justice, which I've not watched, but I heard is good. Oh, man. The original Teen Titans show was so good. Amazing. So yeah. good. I mean, that's – I was – I'm not into – I never watched Teen Titans go. I watched one episode. I didn't like it. Um, but the original, like, 2000s run was so well done. Yeah. Did you ever see the, the, the clip of Teen Titans go where they talk about the old show? No, I've not they, seen that. There's, it's, it's definitely on YouTube. There's a an episode where they fight somebody who has, like, TV powers. And he's like, uh, don't mess with me or I'll reboot you. I've done it before. And it's, he shows them <laughs> clips from the original show. And he's like, "The your old version was great. It had character development. It had storylines people cared about. <laughs> and it was just such this, like, huge kind of middle finger to Cartoon Network for turning it off and rebooting it. <laughs> Well, and I get it, but the thing is, I, I I don't know, like, ratings-wise, Teen Titans Go must do well because they played it a lot back when I had cable. I think it was definitely for a younger audience, and someone I work with was like, yeah, it's not great, but my kids mm-hmm. love it, so it's like, it's their introduction into comics, so I guess that's a good thing, you know. But it's just disappointing that we did not even get, like, Teen Titans finished. It just kind of ends, which is not great. Yeah, there's one plot line in particular I cared so much about, and you get no closure on it at all. Was that I'm, is that the Beast Boy? Sure Tara? was. Is her name Tara? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. They released an episode I never saw, like, a year later where it kind of deals with that but yeah. oh yeah she's she comes back but she has like no memory and she's just a normal kid and then it it just ends with her being like i guess we can hang out sometimes and beast boy's like all right good enough yeah the uh, yeah it's disappointing that they did not get the fourth season because I, they had three mm-hmm. right and each season basically dealt with a different character like the first one's robin and slade then you had Cyborg and the Hive and Raven with Trigon. I think that was my favorite. They really hit their stride oh, on yeah. that season. Great episodes. Yeah. Uh, so for if you want to try it, first week's free. It's seven ninety nine a month, or I think it's sixty dollars for a year subscription. That's not bad. Yeah, I don't know if I'd suggest it unless you're a huge DC fan or you want to see some of these shows. Um, I'm a little disappointed. My iPad's really old, <laughs> like it's eight or nine years old at this point, and it will not download the app i need to watch to read the to read the Mm -hmm. comics so i tried to read them on my phone which i don't love even with a larger screen and i don't like their reading app on the computer so kind of disappointed i probably won't be actually paying for a month of it and now it's time for our amazon review game just a quick recap since we haven't played for a while I have a five-star review for a movie from Amazon. 
I will read one. Christian will have um, Christian will have two yes or no questions to help narrow it down. He can then guess or ask for another review. Same thing to get more yes or no questions. He can guess or another review. And then the last review, he has two questions and then he has to guess. If he gets it on the first guess, it's one uh, three points. Second guess, two points. Third guess, one point. Christian, I'm going to guess you have seen this or at the very least know about this movie. Are you so ready? ready? I am not a movie guy. I don't watch the latest and all the movies that come down the pike. Never seen any Harry <laughs> Potter. <laughs> but when I see a movie that catches me, I can have a good time watching it over and over. This is one of those for me. Some dirty language, but nothing too drastic. Crazy funny, and with hidden gems you might not get the first time through, Water Buffalo. War is not funny, and this is a movie, well, not about, quote, real war, and that is part of the story. That's all you get from me, but three thumbs way up. I'm extremely confident, and if I'm not right, I'm going to be real sad. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Does this movie have Ben Stiller? Yes. Does this movie have Robert Downey Jr.? Yes. Is it Tropic Thunder? Yes. (laughs) All right. Yes. I had to have guessed you saw that. I don't know how I got that from that information, but I I was so sure. (laughs) That dude, that movie is one that can never be released now, but when I saw it in theaters in... 2011 or 2012 whatever no it was before that i saw so we talked about it my first year in college for an education class um 2007 or 2008 then uh it could not be made now because of the whole like retard scene because that's why we talked about it in like education and how like (laughs) you can't say that word anymore because it's exclusionary stuff but what regardless and and i mean Um, they make they make robert downey jr black (laughs) Well, that seems to be the least controversial part of that movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it is amazing. Like it has it doesn't seem like it's been that long, but I guess it's been 12 years. Like I think you're right though. I I do not know that that movie gets made now. Oh, I don't think it does. Uh totally revitalized Tom Cruise's career in my eyes with that ending <laughs> credit scene though. I like him as just a character was fantastic. I didn't know it was him until the credits. I swear. Oh, I didn't. I, I didn't either the first time I watched it because you know, I don't even know if Twitter was around when this came out. Like <laughs> things weren't as prolific, and I wasn't watching like reading entertainment news. So like I was blown away that was him. It was so great. Easily my favorite Tom Cruise role. I mean that movie opens up. With, <laughs> we should watch that sometime <laughs> with just like four fake movie trailers. Yep. <laughs> One of them is Jack Black making fun of the Medea, or like the Medea movies. Oh my god. Uh, okay. Um, I'm man, I love bad. Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder's good, man. It's funny that like, Robert Downey Jr. doesn't get in trouble for doing blackface. It's so true. I think because it's done so ridiculous, you know, like it's yeah. Regardless, yeah, it's it's not it's not like. Uh... Uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for. It's it's not like sincere blackface. It's, it's right. not like he was like, oh yeah, I'm black in this movie. It was like very over the top, like a parody of itself, kind of. Yeah. And, oh man. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Before we head out, Christian, what will you be checking out this week? Um, I've got a few things on the list. There's not really much coming out this week in the way of uh, actual theatrical releases. Um, I did watch Sonic this week already, so I'm going to for sure want to talk about that next weekend. Um, Call of the Wild comes out with Harrison Ford and a CGI dog. I'll probably watch that uh, if I have time. Otherwise, I'm going to finally dive into the book that I've had sitting on my shelf for like three or four months i'm i'm really dedicated to making sure i finish that this week nice um did you finish witcher yet nope (laughs) all right so maybe maybe i'll try to do that as well i've I've been stuck at episode four for like a while Mm, yeah and you got four left i i have to refresh myself on what episodes are what on that (laughs) (laughs) uh so this week i am going to go see sonic so we can talk about that next week for sure it's apparently doing pretty well at the box office, so I'm I'm kind of excited. Dude, it's not bad. Like, that's I good to hear. 
it's not bad after all of this i am still playing bloodborne i am at the last part where i have one more optional area and optional boss one more story boss and then the final boss and then there's these areas called chalice dungeons in them that they're going to be a grind so i probably have about seven hours left i'm hoping to platinum that game this week but i'm not sure if i'll i'll get there or not uh Mm -hmm. but loving it took me four tries to get in but having so like i'm having a blast i don't know if you ever get into like i get into like doldrums of playing games where i'm like this is okay like i'm finishing it to finish it like i'm really enjoying this one yeah all right guys thanks for checking out our episode if you would like to reach us can be emailed at gambots.blog at gmail.com or we're on twitter at gambots network we also started a website it's gambotsnetwork.com if you want to check that out we're going to slowly be rolling out more written reviews and those kinds of things on that and the podcast is up there as well if you'd like to see listen to any of those or I, i guess find out more information about that depending on where you're listening if you are listening somewhere where you can either rate our podcast or write a review, we'd really appreciate it. It helps us get more exposure. Uh, otherwise, thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you.